0: Lord, as we get into our next section here in the book of John, uh, in our series, likewise, Lord, let us learn, let us grow, let us understand the plans and the purposes that you have for us. Speak, Lord, through your word, we pray. We give you all the glory and all the honor. Through Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. So we are at John chapter 13 in our series, Walking Through the Book of John. So go ahead and turn there this morning. Can, can I add something? Um, I had someone share something with me that... Uh, Well, I'm just going to go ahead and say that person said, you know, it's great to have the scriptures up on the screens like we do. But I see less and less people bringing Bibles to church. Can I please encourage you still bring your Bible to church? We we, we have it up there where it's nice and easy to follow and to be seen and all. But there's something about your own Bible, especially when you go back to it and reread things. It may be where you've made a, a note or a circle or something. And that's, that Bible is your personal connection to God, whether it's on paper, whether it's electronic, whatever it is. I use electronic a lot. I have all kinds of notes, you know, saved in the, in the electronic, which is fine. Um, and I don't have bent pages or anything, um, but that's that's a very deep personal connection. And so so you can take something from here and take it back into your own prayer closet. So please, please let me encourage you. Bring your Bible to church, or your phone, or your tablet, or whatever. Okay. These 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 are nice, but don't don't miss that personal connection. Okay. John chapter 13, beginning at verse one. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he had said, not all of you are clean. May the Lord add his blessing. To His Word this morning. About a week and a half ago, uh, we are looking at a week kind of like we're going to have this week. It looks like um, because it was going to rain right the next few days, so I had to mow my lawn. The weeds were, you know, getting up as they do, and uh, but I had to mow it in the blistering heat. And as you know, or well, you may not know, I, I like to push my lawn, so I got a push mower. And it's only three quarters of an acre. It gives me some exercise. Uh, nice for an old guy. But um, so I mean, it was one of those hot days. Okay. By the time I had to, I had to find Kathleen. I said, "Can you give me something to tie around my head? I can't see. The sweat was just pouring off of me. And by the time I was done, I was drenched. I was." I was sticky. I was wet from head to toe, right? I couldn't stand to be next to myself, right? Uh, And I wanted nothing more than to get in that shower, right? Just no food, no water, just in that shower, right? There's something wonderful about getting all that yuck, right, washed off, isn't there? And it's the same for these guys here, okay, in in this portion of scripture. This is here a very, very significant event in the Passion Week that's usually celebrated on Maundy Thursday, this account of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. We've talked about this before, the fact that washing feet was the job of the household servant, right? That in those days, people pretty much walked everywhere they went, on the same roads as the horses and the donkeys and the cattle and the sheep, right? So let's just say it's a dirty, stinky job, but somebody has to do it. And that was usually the household servant, usually lowest on the, on the totem pole here. But Jesus does it. Jesus does the dirty, stinky He doesn't pick one of his disciples and say, hey, uh, John uh, or Peter, you know, would you uh, grab a towel, take care of this situation? He does it. Him, the master, the Messiah, the very son of God becomes the servant and washes the stinky feet of the rest. What does that tell us? Oh, my goodness, we could be here for a month, right? But it shows the heart of Jesus, doesn't it? It shows he didn't have heirs. He wasn't conceited. He wasn't prideful. Although he was high and mighty, he wasn't all high and mighty. Right? Um, He was a servant leader. His concern in all that he did was for the betterment of others wasn't it? That's how he lived his whole life for the betterment of others and not himself. In the temptation, remember Matthew 4, in the temptation, Satan tried to get him to circumvent all that and become king of the world. Mm -mm. It's not about me, right? He was in it all for the betterment of others. But second here, what a wonderful picture he gave us. Of the gospel. A wonderful picture of redemption. God, you know, Jesus lays aside his his outer garment and he takes a towel and wraps it around himself. God lays aside, if you will, his glory and his majesty and wraps himself in human flesh. To do what? To take upon himself the sin of mankind. Jesus, in a sense, becomes the towel that wipes away the stain and the stench of sin. Beautiful, beautiful picture that Jesus gave it. Do you see it this morning? 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Peter here doesn't get the connection <laughs> that you and I now understand. He doesn't get it. Jesus tells him, You're not going to get this now. You, you'll get it later. So he says here in verse 8, he says, You shall never wash my feet. I believe in his heart, Peter is trying to honor the Lord, right? Wasn't it Peter that said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God? So he's saying, You, the Christ, the Son of the living God, stoop to wash my feet? Uh uh-uh, uh, ain't going to happen. Right? He was trying to honor the Lord and who he was. But Jesus answers him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. No share with me. What's he saying? He's saying, unless our sins are washed by him. Unless our sins are washed by Jesus Christ, we have no share with him. No share in the kingdom of God. No share in eternal Salvation, eternal life. Because as Romans says, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there is none righteous. No, not one. In Ephesians, by grace you're saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, not of works. Back to Romans, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Do you see it? It's it. It can't be by works. We can never keep the law good enough. We can never cleanse ourselves from our sin. It has to come, Jesus says, from me. If you're not washed by me, if you're not cleansed from your sin by my actions, by my shedding of the blood on the cross for you, you have no share with me. No share in being adopted into the family of God. No share in heaven. No share in eternal life. There is only one way. Only one way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? So Peter still May not have gotten the whole picture here. But if not doing this meant not being close to Jesus, he says, then forget it. I'm all in. I'm all in. Wash my hands. Wash my head. You know, everything. I just dive in. If it means being close to you, Jesus, then go for it. Verse 10, Jesus says to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. Now, this, I think, is a very interesting statement. Again, because I believe it's representing something. You know, there are people, there are are Christians that struggle with their salvation. They struggle with it. My wife will tell you she she did for years. Um, Thinking that because they still stumble and still sin, that they must not really be saved. Right? Many Christians walk around never really knowing the joy of their salvation. Never really internalizing, never really being able to accept it and rest in it. Hebrews 4 talks about the rest. There remains a rest for the people of God when they rest from their own works, right? Enter into my rest, where they they grab a hold of that salvation, that identity in Christ, and they say, it's done as Jesus on the cross. It is finished. It's done, right? It's a done deal. But many Christians walk around never being able to fully grasp that because they stumble, because they fall. As James says, we all stumble in many ways. So every time there's an altar call, they pray to get saved again and again and again. But Jesus says something very, very important here. Look at it again. Verse 10, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. What's he saying here? When a person sincerely asks Jesus to forgive their sins, to be their Savior and Lord, it's like taking a spiritual bath, right? Your sins, my sins, past, present, future, being paid for on the cross are forgiven. You've been given, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 3, the gift of, of righteousness, perfect righteousness, not our own righteousness based on our works, perfect righteousness, the gift of God to us through faith in Jesus Christ. Unbelievable? Absolutely. But it's the truth from the word of God. Not by works, lest anyone boast. It is a gift, perfect righteousness before God. However, Even though we've had that bath, according to Jesus, we still need to wash our feet. We still need to wash our feet. It's kind of like this. Okay, Let's say you had a shower this morning. and you decide to throw on some sweats and and go out to the mailbox because you realize you you didn't get the mail yesterday. So you're walking out there barefoot and all of a sudden you find a landmine that the dog left behind in the yard. So, probably never happened to anybody. Um, So do you really need to take a whole shower again? Boy, you may feel like it. (laughs) Uh, No, but really, really all you need to do is to wash your feet, right? Here's what Jesus is saying. Life is full of landmines, church, full of temptations, full of times that you and I are going to make wrong choices and we're going to blow it, right? We're going to know it, we're going to blow it. Again, as James says, we all stumble in many ways. So then, what do we need to do, according to Jesus? We need to wash our feet. The Apostle John, in his first epistle, chapter 1 and verse 9, very familiar verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, you might think that that refers to salvation, but if you look at this closely, as pastors do, uh, the verb tense in the Greek for confess denotes a continuous present tense activity. It's not something that Um, Okay, I confess my sins. It's it's done. It's over. This denotes a continual present tense activity, confessing our sins. So what does it mean to confess our sins? What does it mean to wash our feet, right? I think sometimes we do our children, and we've all done it, a tremendous disservice. Tell your sister you're sorry. I'm sorry. right? Can, can we be a little honest and say most times they probably don't mean it, right? It's just words to keep from getting into trouble, right? Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, Clara, my, my granddaughter. Ah, oh, boy. she her, her brother was teasing her or something, and she just hauled up and to him one day. I mean, she's like, what, not even two. She's like 18 months old or whatever. T- t- tell your brother you're sorry. And she, she looks at Plainstay and she says, I'm just a little sorry. <laughs> How to take a serious moment and put the whole room in stitches. Oh, my goodness. But, but truth, right? <laughs> truth. God says, I desire truth in the inward parts, right? Can I say that I've done that with God? Right? A quick acknowledgement of something just to try to keep the hammer from coming down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But when we do that, from my experience, two things happen. Number one, we don't really connect with God, do we? We're just trying to skip over something. It's like having a conversation with someone who's not really listening. Been there? Right? I think we do that to God sometimes. I know I have. Right? Not only don't we connect, um, but Isaiah says this. He says, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He desires truth in the inward parts. Jesus said the Father seeks worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. And when we just, you know, zoom by something, it's not really truth. We're not really connecting. But the second thing that happens is more than likely, we pretty easily repeat the same thing again, don't we? Maybe I'm the only one. I hope so. I hope I'm the only one. I love Psalm 51. I love Psalm 51, uh, where the, the psalmist comes in brokenness before the Lord. And he says this, Psalm 51, 3, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Verse 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You get the sense here that here the psalmist is, his heart is wide open. He's had a chance to really mull over this thing and look into his heart, and he says, yep, there it is. There it is. I see it plain as day. And I'm just, here it is, Lord. And he embraces not only his sin, but his weakness. See, as he cries out to God here, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. I'm weak. I need you. Verse 17, and, and, and he declares this under inspiration. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do you see the posture here? It's heart wide open, nothing to hide, present in the moment, not a checklist. Okay, God, I did this today, I did, you know, not a checklist before the Lord. It's it's up close and personal, isn't it? An honest interaction, an honest communion with God deep in the heart. I might feel entirely justified in telling someone off been there done that right but there in the Lord's presence as I wait on him as I commune with him around his word I I see where it says don't repay evil for evil but overcome evil with good Be like your Father in heaven who makes the rain fall on the just and unjust. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, right? And as the Holy Spirit gently reminds me of that situation where I told somebody off. It comes to a crossroads, doesn't it? Here is where confession comes in. Where I have to say, God... I'm still feeling justified. I still feel like they deserve it. I'm struggling with this. I'm battling with this. And I need your help. I I got some strong emotions going on here, and I need you. Lord, I see your word. I hear, Holy Spirit, what you're telling me. Lord, when it comes down to it, it's not my feelings that are truth. It's your word that is truth. And I want to worship you in truth, Lord. So I embrace your word. I embrace your truth. I confess my sin. I confess that my actions fall short of the glory of God. And I need you. Do you see the posture? And John says, when we do that, when we do that, heart open wide, honesty, openness, when we do that, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. If you've been in Bible study, you've heard this a number of times. I love this verse. It goes even further. He says, because Jesus was tempted in all ways, such but without sin, he's able to help us. So it says, so verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It doesn't say, let's go grab a switch off the willow tree and hand it to God. Does it? How many have been there? Right? Let me stop at the willow tree first, God. i got to grab a switch. No. With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mercy that was bought for us at the cross. Grace to help in time of need. Grace. Grace uh, might be the, the motivation, the love, the, the power of God to go and make that situation right with that person that I just berated. Grace certainly will be the opportunity in God's presence to look deep into our hearts and say, God, wh- wh- how did I get there in the first place? What's going on in my heart? Why did I do what I did? See, so often we just we confess and then we walk away and we don't get this time with God to process I've told you about my past dealing with anger issues. And when I finally quit justifying what I was doing and cried out to the Lord, this is where he came and he showed me how my anger and my control um, not only came from my own insecurity, my own fear sense of failure or whatever, but because I was trying to create my own security, getting everything under control, having the last word, having to raise my voice, having, it's got to be done this way, I'm the boss, you know, right, create my own security, and because I was trying to create my own security, I was missing out, God said to me, on his security, His security, the peace that passes all understanding. I was missing out on the peace of God. I was missing out on the rest, that rest that He wanted to give me, and the expectation of His blessing. By walking in faith, by trusting him for my future and to be able to step away from a a, a tough situation, turn it into a faith situation where I was now expecting goodness from the Lord. Getting rid of all the negativity, right? Putting my focus on him, resting in his peace and in his love. I wasn't doing that. I was missing out. I was trying to get my security. I was trying to get my needs met my way. And missing out on the incredible things that he had for me. And so there, in that divine fellowship and communion with the Lord, real heart, transformation and life change takes place. Not just a quick check off the list and probably do the same thing tomorrow, right? My wife will will testify, I hope. <laughs> there has been serious life change, heart change in me. And when that happens, all glory to God, our lives become that city on a hill that speak to others, don't they? We have a story to share like David this morning. This this is where I was. This is what Jesus did. This is where I am now. And we got a lot of hurting people out in the world, don't we? That need a sense of hope. They're looking for something more than just church and religion and singing songs and, right? They've had enough of that. But when they see the reality of the work of God, in our lives. Oh, right? What a difference. What a difference. The takeaway here this morning Jesus says if we come to Him with the whole of our sin, when we come to Him knowing, recognizing that He died on the cross for us, taking that sin upon himself, when we come to him with that and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, I need your salvation. I need to be cleansed, I need that bath. He will cleanse us from our sin. He will make us clean. He will give us a share with him in eternal life, in the family of God, and all the incredible blessings that go with it. And if we come to him having soiled our feet. Maybe we've had that bath in the past and now we've soiled our feet maybe over and over and over again. Guilty is charged, right? But if we will come to him honestly, openly, here it is, Lord. A broken spirit and a contrite heart, Lord. David said, Lord... Uh, search me, oh God, and know my heart, you know, shine that light in there so I can just bring it to the surface and be honest and open. When we do that, he will be faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And past that, we will not only receive that mercy, but grace. Life-changing grace. World-affecting grace. Amen? Let's do it. Let's pray. Ah, oh, Lord. Oh, even as we're bowed in prayer this morning, I just, you know, a lot of wonderful things have happened over the years at church altars. People coming forward, people kneeling at the altar, people right at their seat in church where they've heard the word and God is working. And I believe with all my heart as we have prayed for this service that God is here, that he is speaking to hearts, drawing us to himself. And I want you to do business with God this morning. But I want this to be I believe He wants it to be a door opener that this is not just a quick here it is God. but Lord, I'm opening this door in my life and i'm gonna I'm gonna come back to this in your presence later, where it's just you and me, where I can get honest, where I can open my heart and let you in because you know it all anyway. Well, let's open those doors this morning. Let's determine in our hearts. The God who loves us with a God who says that you're awesome. With a God who says, I want, I want to make your life a trophy. I want to make you a city on a hill for the rest of the world to see that they may know that there is a God in heaven that loves them and wants to invite them into eternal life. Can we do that this morning? Lord, first of all, if you've never come to him with the whole of your sin, I hope you see that he is there with open arms, willing, He took that sin. He became that towel. Took our sin upon himself that we might be cleansed once for all. And if that's you, just say, Jesus, that's me. Here I come. All my sin, all my faults, all my failures, I give it to you. I need your salvation. I need your cleansing. I need that bath, Lord. I want to have a share with you an eternal life. I want to know this God who is so awesome and great to us. I want to know you personally. I want to walk with you with that kind of honesty and openness. So, Lord, take my sin. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And if that's you that has had a bath, but you struggle and you stumble and you fall in, those same open arms, say, open up that door, open up your heart. Come before me with honesty, openness, Let's deal with this together, God says. Lord, we determine this morning that not shy away from the truth that you already know. But thank you, Lord, that we can come with confidence before you and that you will be merciful to us because of the cross. And we look to you, Lord, for for grace, for further uh, dialogue to help us to understand our hearts, why we do the things we do, and what you have for us in your great and precious promises. We open those doors, Lord, I open that door, those doors. Call us back, Lord, into that place of prayer. Change us. That we may be that city on a hill. That we may declare the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise you. We give you the honor and the glory Through Jesus we pray.